Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Luke chapter 9, the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 37. We'll read a few verses. I'll let you be seated. I do want to say thanks so much to those that helped out yesterday, Chuck and Randy and Mirabeth and Rachel. And then Rachel made Jared wash all the dishes after that yesterday. And I appreciate so much help. A great, great time uh, yesterday and some fellowship. We had pastors and laity from the Church of God in Mississippi here yesterday. Thankful for that. Thankful for our, our members that came. And uh, I appreciate all that you do to make this thing go thankful thankful for those that do so much that greet that do sound and media how many of you know that this is this is not a one-man show it don't happen with just one man it never would if it did it wouldn't be a very good one i can tell you that luke chapter 9 verse 37 if you got it say amen reading from the niv this morning the next day when they came down from the mountain a large crowd met them a man in the crowd called out teacher I beg you to look at my son for he is my only child a spirit seizes him and suddenly screams it throws him into convulsion so that he foams at the mouth it scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him I begged your disciples to drive it out but they could not Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning. Get off the mountain. You're needed down below. Would you stretch your hands this way? Pray for me as I do the same for you. Father, thank you for what you've done already. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just touch every heart every mind and spirit lord as they hear your word whether they're here in this building right now whether they're listening by podcast i'm just believing you lord that your word is the seed and that it will go onto good ground and produce a multiplied harvest and lord i pray that you would just touch me and help me anoint me i am only a, a vessel i am a human vessel with many imperfections and i need your anointing right now so i ask for it let me preach god with anointing let me preach with fire and fervency i pray today and lord we're going to thank you in advance for everything that you're doing in jesus mighty name i pray and everybody in the house said amen as you're seated turn around to three or four people give them a fist bump and tell them i'm glad to see you at starkville church of god this morning so as we've read this text and i give you this title Some of you may be thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Did you forget and read the wrong scripture? And I didn't. I'm not putting that past me. I I could. There's been like once or twice that I've just torn off in the wrong text, and I got through there and realized, 
I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing here. Today is not one of those days, however. Uh, what I read to you is what I want to look at, but before we get there, we, we really want to look at very briefly what happened before that in this chapter, that Peter, James, and Peter, James, John, and Jesus have just left the mountaintop. Now, if you've been in church, if you've read the Bible much, you know that this, what has just happened before the text we read is what we call the transfiguration. How many of you ever heard of the transfiguration of Jesus before? This has just happened. We find that Jesus is shown in God's glory. This is quite a scene up in, on the mountain. As Jesus would do at times, he took that inner circle with him, Peter, James, and John. They go up on this mountain, and the glory of God shows up. Moses and Elijah appear. Jesus is glowing. The voice of the Father's coming from heaven. I mean, it's it's quite a scene that's going on up there. And it's one of those scenes that was magnificent. Peter, James, and John, in fact, it says that they were they were kind of half asleep before this happens, and this kind of woke them up a little bit when this begins to happen, and they find themselves in the middle of the glory of God on the mountaintop. And I do want to say this morning, before we proceed any further, that I am convinced that we do need these mountaintop experiences. You know, as I've lived my life and as I have pastured and I've seen so many things, you know, I know that there have been times uh, in the church where it seems like we just want to always live on the mountain. And I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. But I've also found in my life and in my ministry that we've got to have those mountaintop experiences every once once in a while. We need to experience the presence of the Lord in a very special and a very powerful way. How many of you here would say, Pastor, you've had some of those experiences before? I'm not talking about the ever. I know that we have him with us every day, and I know that he walks with us every day, and every day we can come into his presence. But I also know and have experienced and believe that there are times, those special moments, where God touches us in a very profound way. You see, God's glory would come in the Old Testament. We would see these unique experiences in the Old Testament where, where God's power and glory would come down. And here in the New Testament, we find Peter, James, and John on the mountaintop, and we find that they have this remarkable experience where the very presence of glory of God comes down on this mountaintop and touches them. There are church services now today, church services prayer meetings, revivals, youth camps, camp meetings, winter fest. We have those kind of experiences. I don't know about you, but I've had them before in my life. There have been those services. There have been those moments. There have been those meetings where I've gone to and, and, and I've walked in and God touched me in a profound way. I've walked in and the presence of the Lord was there in a special, special way. I believe still that we need some of those experiences. And I know we can't have that every single day, but I still believe that, that, that people today need those mountaintop experiences. I believe every once in a while that we need to find ourselves in the presence of God in a more powerful way than normal. I still believe that we've got people today in this world that they need more than anything else. They need an encounter with the Lord God Almighty. They need an experience 
experience like Jacob had in the Old Testament where out in the dark of night, nobody but him and God, and there he wrestled with the Lord all night long. We need to experience the power and the glory of God because I've become convinced the longer I live that there is nothing that can change lives except for the power and the presence and the glory of Almighty God. Listen, I don't care how great we have it together, and my, they had it together great this morning. They, they played wonderful music. They led us in worship. They sang wonderfully. But listen, that cannot replace the glory of God. I can get up here. Y'all figured it out by now. I, I could get up here in a best three-piece suit. I could get up here and trying to be somewhat cool as I can as a bald 43-year-old, half-sunburnt, two-faced man. I don't know. No, but listen, none of that, none of that, no matter how much I study and prepare the best illustrations that I put together, none of that will ever take the place of the special power and presence of God. We must once again have those experiences with God. Moses went up on the mountain. Elijah went up on the mountain. Abraham went up on the mountain. In our text, we find that Jesus had just took his disciples up on the mountain. And I believe that we still need those mountaintop experiences where our strength and our mind are renewed. So we all get so tired from time to time, don't we? Can't life be exhausting? Can't life be... I'm not even talking about... Those horrific times. I'm talking about just everyday life. Just going through the grind day after day after day after day. And it wears us down. And we need a touch from Almighty God. Is there anybody else here in this place today that would say, Pastor, I agree with you. I Sometimes I need those mountaintop experiences. Sometimes I need to find my, I got to get out of the valley and I got to climb up to the top of the mountain. I got to forget about everybody else. I got to stop worrying about anything else going on. And I need to climb up to the top of the mountain and find myself in the presence of Almighty God and find strength and renewal. Come on, give him praise if you believe that this morning. So we need that. We desperately need it. But we also need to realize that they had to come down from the mountain. As much as we would like to, we can't stay on the top of the mountain forever. As much as we need it, as much as we love it, as much as we want it, and as much so much easier on the mountaintop, it's so enjoyable, it's so wonderful up there. Think about this. If you read about the, in the transfiguration and you, you read that Peter, how many of y'all know, y'all know Peter, he just... He just likes to say stuff sometimes, not just sometimes, a lot of times. And let's just be honest, a lot of times he's probably saying what a lot of them were thinking, but none of the rest of them said it. And Peter said, he's up there on the mountain, the glory of God there. He said, Master, it's good for us to be here. How many of y'all ever said that? You've been in the middle of a good service, in the middle of a great encounter with God. You're like, thank God, this has been good to be here. Peter's like, it's good for us to be here. He said, let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I like the parentheses. I don't know if you got this there in your Bible, but it says he did not know what he was saying. 
I mean, it was so good that Peter was like, hey, Jesus, let, let me just go ahead and let, let me build, start building. Sh- I don't want to go anywhere. He, I don't want to leave this moment. I don't want to leave this place. I don't want to leave this glory and this anointing. I don't want to go down off the, I know what's waiting down there. There's problems down there. There's work down there. There's sickness down there. There's issues down there. I don't want to leave. Can we just build three? shelters, one for you and Elijah and for Moses. I'll just sleep on the ground as long as I can build y'all something and you'll stay here and we can just stay here in this moment. Unfortunately, we can't stay on the top of the mountain, can we? First of all, because we would never develop spiritually if we stayed on the mountaintop. We recover on the mountain, but we develop the valley. You see, strength doesn't come from standing on top of the mountain. Strength is developed by walking through the valley and climbing up the mountain. You see, you're never going to develop yourself spiritually. You're never going to develop yourself physically unless you have to climb the mountain. How many of you know if you're going to work out physically, you've got to do something that's going to push you, that's going to challenge you? How many of you ever in any kind of sports team or anything, you had to run heels? Anybody ever had to run heels before? You had to do something. And maybe some of you, you've done, you've run stadiums before, and you run up and down the stadium. You you do that. Why? You get on a treadmill, and you turn up the incline, or you walk up the hill. That is there. You do that. Why? Because it pushes you. It stretches you. It develops you. And the same way spiritually, if everything was always just handed to you on a silver platter, then you would never develop strong spiritually. And so God don't let us stay up on the mountaintop all the time. But sometimes we've got to walk in the valley. Sometimes we've got to climb up the mountain. Sometimes we've got to face these things so that it develops us. Secondly, victory isn't sweet if there hasn't been a battle. You know, our human tendency is to settle in and expect what we're getting. Bless me, Lord. Just bless me. I don't want any trials. I don't want any tests. I don't want any tribulations. Just bless me, Lord. Just bless. send your blessings. I want your blessings. Come on, that's what we want. Lord, give me the victory. Give me the victory, Lord. That's what I want. I want the victory. I don't want the battle. I don't know about y'all, but I've never prayed for the battle. It just comes on its own. I don't know how many times I prayed, Lord, give me the victory. But I don't, I've never prayed for the battle. That one always just shows up on its own. Somebody say amen. But if we never walked through the valley and we never had to fight the battle, let's just be honest, we'd get bored with the mountaintop. We would. We'd get bored. We'd, get, we'd take it for granted. As we move on, we find they had to come down from the mountain also because there were others that needed them. Now now we come to our text where I said, now you'll see where we're going. They were on this Mount of Transfiguration. They were on this place of renewal. They were on this place of refreshing. They were on this mountaintop where the glory, the Shekinah glory of God was there, and Jesus and Elijah and Moses and God's the Father speaking from heaven and all this. But now they come down, and they find why, one of the reasons also why they needed to come down, because there were people that needed them down below. Look at verse 30 or there of our text. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. In other words, the people were waiting for them. The next day, everybody say the next day. Listen to me. Anybody ever been to church and the Lord just really blessed you and touched you? God refreshed you? But then the next day, the devil showed up at your door. 
Come on, you came to church. The pastor preached halfway decent. Praise and worship was excellent. You just felt the Spirit of God. You got excited. You got refreshed. You got renewed. And the next day, the devil showed up at work. Or maybe even you didn't. Sometimes you don't even wait till the next day. You got home when the devil called. The next day, they come down off the mountain. You know, you hope. You ever just sometimes when you've kind of been away for a little bit and you're kind of hoping, you know, I just need a kind of a, a day to relax and readjust. Nope. The next day, bam, there it is. You see, God wants to bless us on the mountain so we can bring it back down to the hurting. Whether you realize it or not, people are looking to you when you come down off the mountain. I wish I could tell you, you know, some of you say, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, a, I'm not an elder. I'm not on the council. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not any of those things. Nobody's relying on me. That's where you're wrong. Whether you realize it or not, there are people, and whether they know it or not, they are looking to you because God puts people in all of our paths. I mean, I, I could ask for a show of hands. There might be one person, maybe one person, that you won't see another soul in person tomorrow. But I'm pretty sure how many of you tomorrow, you're going to see somebody else tomorrow. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to Walmart or Kroger. You're going to go to school. You're going to go somewhere, and you're going to run into somebody else. And it is no accident when you run into that somebody else. Let's take a look, a closer look at the first need that they encountered as we, we see that people need us. Well, there was an urgent need. Look at verse 38 here. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams and throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth that scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. So we find a man in the crowd called out, I beg you. I remind you that there are people in this world right here and right now. They're crying out for help. They're begging for help. They need help. It was his only child. There are people in trouble that have very little in this world. You know, the Bible sometimes it describes, sometimes we know when people were beggars. Sometimes we know the Bible even says when there were people that were rich or they were powerful. We don't really know a lot. But what we do find is this, this man here says that this is my son. He's my only son. And not only is my own, my only son, he is my only child. You know, as Jamie and I were talking to our kids, and we, there's just no way. Let me just tell you, I'm still close enough to it that I still remember that you just don't understand what it is. You can't understand what it is till you have one, how much they mean to you, the responsibility that you feel. As I'm not going, there's no amount of words that I could ever tell you that, that would ever convey, oh, yeah, I see what he said. No, it's just a God switch on the inside of you that when you have them, God flips that switch and suddenly you have the burden. There is nothing more precious to parents than their children. And I don't know what else this guy had or did not have, but this was his only child, and this man was desperate. He was heavy. He had very little else that obviously meant much to him beside this son. And this demonic possession was destroying him. And he knew without deliverance, that his son couldn't survive much longer. It says that in the, at the end of verse 39, throws him in convulsions, he foams at the mouth, it scarcely, scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. He saw it getting worse. 
He knew that the end for his son was coming. Can I just tell you that there are some people that need deliverance right now. You know, we've been privileged to be connected to Pastor Jeremy and Jennifer and the recovery center down in McGee. You know, there's so sadly, there are so many people today that drugs are destroying them. Those addictions are destroying them. They, 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 are, they are tearing them down, and parents and loved ones look at them, and they're watching what, what, what those addictions are doing to them, and they know in their heart like this father did, they won't last much longer unless God sets them free. The book of Jude Verse 22 and 23 says this, And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know, there's sometimes there's some people that that's how you reach them. That's how you reach out to them and minister to them. It's just kind of that that little bit. You just, some you have compassion. You make a difference. But there's some that God said you're going to have to just yank them out of the fire. There's some that they in such trouble, they in such a mess, things are just going so badly in their lives that they don't, they can't wait for you just to take them out for coffee at Starbucks and strike up a conversation that might happen to go in a way toward Jesus. And listen, I know I told you the Bible says that some you got to, but I'm telling you that there are some out there, they don't have time for that. You've got to yank them out of the fire. That's when I hear these stories. I've heard these stories that Jeremy's told me about how they have to go. Some of these ladies that are sex trafficked and how they'll call in and they're like, you've got to come here and pick me up at this time and get me out of this situation. There's so many people in this world, unfortunately, that are in that kind of place. And what I'm telling, let me remind you what this is all about. That yes, we got to. I've told you, we need those mountaintop experiences. We've got to gather on Sundays. We've got to worship the Lord. We've got to come in contact with His presence because, again, we can't change anybody. But we can't just stay on the mountain because there's a bunch of people down below that need us. And this was a big need. It was a case of demon possession. Some of y'all may be squirming a little bit right now. They're like, oh, no. Because we tend to shy away from the topic nowadays. But can I just remind you that the devil is real? That Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of spiritual darkness. The Bible tells us that these things are real. And we've, 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 we've backed off so much. We've become so naturally minded that we often forget or we choose to ignore the spiritual forces that are at work. Now, I'm going to give you this. This is October. So I know everybody's got the ghouls and the goblins out and all this. I'm going to give you some quick notes on demons because please do not take poltergeist or any Hollywood movie as your reliable source for demons. So let me tell you this. First of all, yes, demons are real. They're fallen angels, spirit, a third of heaven. The Bible tells us a third of heaven got kicked out when Satan rebelled against the Lord. Demons are real. But also, number two, 
they nor the devil are omnipresent, omniscient, or omnipotent. They are limited beings. They can only be one place at one time. They don't have all power, and they don't know everything. And we, as the children of God, do not have to be afraid of them. Now, let me tell you this. Like electricity, though, we are aware of it. And if you start playing with it, it can hurt you. Listen, we got all kind of stuff plugged up here. I know that this has got power here. There's 120 volts running through this thing. And it's, I can plug it in. I can unplug it. Who knows if it's going to come back on? Oh, it does. It comes back on there. <laughs> like demonic power, I can't see that electricity, but I know it's there. And I'm not going to walk by. I don't walk by this afraid of it. I'm not afraid of that thing. I'm not afraid of that. Why? Well, I give you just, just briefly, and any electricians in the house, this may not be just great, but just hold on because there is insulation on this cord. I don't have to be afraid of it. That, that copper wire inside there is insulated. And listen, I'm insulated by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to be afraid of the power of the enemy. But if I get down in here and kind of half pull this up and start getting in there and touching on some metal, I'm going to be in trouble. Man of God, woman of God, don't you play with the occult. You're a blood-bought Holy Ghost-filled child of God, you don't have to worry about the devil and his power unless you start trying to dabble in it. Child of God, you don't have any business messing with a Ouija board. You better stay away from that garbage. You better stay away from it. Don't dabble in it because even a child of God, if you open the door, the Bible said don't give the devil a foothold. It takes more than holding a cross on a necklace or a Bible to drive them out. And when I say Bible, I'm not talking about the Word of God in your heart. I'm just talking about somebody just grab a Bible and try to beat the devil out of somebody. Although that sounds like a good idea sometimes. Just ask the seven sons of Sceva. The book of Acts, I preached a whole message on that here a while back. I think it's still on the podcast. Does the devil know your name? They decided they's going to start being exorcists themselves. They start going around, and they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And apparently it worked for a little while till finally they ran up on this group of demons, and they said, Jesus we know, Paul we've even heard of, but we don't know who in the world you boys are. And that demoniac went to beating on them, stripped them down naked. They went bleeding, crying, running. Don't you play with the power of the enemy. There are so many people today with big needs, addictions, drugs, Alcohol, pornography, gambling, relationship problems, marriages falling apart, parents that need help, children. You've got problems with boss, your relationship with your boss, with your coworker, financial problems. There are so many people today with so many big needs, and the disciples couldn't meet the need. Look with me, verse 40. This is the man here who brought his son. He said, I begged your disciples to drive it out. They could not. It wasn't Jesus' fault. It's this same chapter, chapter 9 of the book of Luke. Look at the very beginning, chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. Sounds pretty much like 
Jesus gave them the power, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not an English major, and I'm not the, a theologian. That's pretty cut and dry. And somewhere between chapter 9 and verse 1 and chapter 9 and verse 40, this man comes and says, I came to your disciples, but they couldn't do nothing for my boy. What was it? Well, I just, again, I'm pretty simple. Y'all know this. I just kind of go to the very next verse and kind of read this whole story. And what does Jesus say here in verse 41? Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. First thing that Jesus says is what? He says, you unbelieving. Unbelieving. In other words, they had unbelief. We must stop blaming God when we can't accomplish what he has sent us to do. Because we must confront our unbelief. Do we still really believe that we have power and authority over the devil? Do we still truly believe that through Jesus' name and Jesus' blood and Jesus' word that we have authority over every devil, over every sickness, over every addiction, over every disease? And where the disciples had failed, Jesus will succeed. We find then Jesus, Jesus, Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. So we find that Jesus acts with authority and compassion. We've got to have both. Maybe y'all remember this from just a couple weeks ago. I think Joel made a little neat thing with my ugly picture on it and put it on social media, the little quote that said, meekness isn't weakness. <laughs> I remind you that we must have both of these things. We must ask God to give us compassion for those in need. It is easy to become hard-hearted and be like, they're the ones that got themselves in this mess. They're the ones that made the stupid decision and decided they's going to start doing them drugs. Some folks at some churches I know have thought that. I don't feel bad for them. They started drinking that alcohol. They're the reason why they're an alcoholic now. I don't feel bad for them, the mess they're in. They got their sales into that situation. But that ain't the way that Jesus operated. Jesus had compassion on those in need. We got to ask God, first of all, we all want the power, we all want the authority, but very few of us want to ask for the compassion. That's probably the best thing I've said all morning. We all want the power, the authority, the anointing, but very few of us ask for that compassion. But before He gives us anything else, we need to ask, Lord, give me compassion. Give me compassion. Again, meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is power under control. So, Lord, give us, give us compassion, and then we must act in authority over the forces of sin and darkness. Lord, I love that drug addict, but I hate those drugs, and I hate that spirit that's behind that. Lord, I, 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 love, I love that gay man and that lesbian woman, but I hate that spirit that has deceived them. I, Lord, I, I, I love that person. 
that's wasted everything they have on gambling in the casino or online. I love that person, but I hate that spirit that is behind it, that has driven them to this place. We've got to have compassion and authority. Say, God, I, I, I love the person, but I hate the demonic forces that are behind the garbage that is consuming them. And we've got to once again begin to take spiritual authority over stuff. Not even talking necessarily it's starting when you're face to face with them maybe if it's your son your daughter your friend your co-worker maybe it's in your prayer closet and you start taking authority over every spirit of hell that is tormenting them that has them destroying them like this young man, the, the father said, this spirit just keeps throwing him around. He's, gonna, he's not going to last much longer if something doesn't happen. Would you just lift your hands for just a moment? I've got more, but I just feel stopped right here. Lord, this is a holy moment right now. I've got more notes, and I didn't plan to stop here, but you're stopping me here. Because, God, I believe there's some people. There's some people. Might be some in this room. Or they might be somewhere else, but people in this room that know them and love them. And they need to begin to have compassion and take authority over every evil spirit. Come on, if you're here right now and you say, Pastor, I, there's somebody that I know, they, they need some, they need delivered. It may be drugs, it may be alcohol, it may be a sexual addiction, it may be pornography, it may be gambling, it may be, I don't know what it is, but if you know somebody right now, and, and listen, I'm not, you know me well enough, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not sticking a microphone in your mouth, I don't want you to yell out their name, but I do want you to put up your hand right now if you say, I know somebody right now that needs deliverance. I know somebody right now, right now. I want you to just begin to pray for them. You ain't got to tell them my, their, me their name, but would you just begin to tell the Lord their name right now? Just begin to call them out to the Lord right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray for every person represented by these hands, O oh Lord. You know exactly who they are. You know exactly what they're going through. You know every addiction that is represented. You know everything that is going on. And God, I can't deliver anybody. Lord, I, like the disciples, God, I'm, I'm worthless in that. But Lord Jesus, I know that you can. I know that you have given us authority. Lord, help us to have the faith to believe and to know what your word says, that you have given us the authority. You've given us power over every evil spirit. You've given us power over disease and sickness. But Lord, let us realize today we can't do it without you. Father, I pray for every person right now every person represented right now, every person that's being prayed for right now that needs your touch, oh Lord, help them. Help them. We take authority over the spirits of darkness that have gripped their lives, oh Lord, right now. 
I pray for every person that's addicted to drugs. Would you set them free? Every person that's addicted to alcohol, I pray that you set them free in Jesus' mighty name. Every person addicted to pornography, set them free in Jesus' name. Every person, oh God, that needs you so desperately, God, whatever bondage they may be finding themselves in right now in Jesus' name, loose them and set them free. Lord, we come with compassion, yet authority, oh Lord. For every person... Lord, that has become, Lord God, fooled by the enemy, that has become the belief that that gay or lesbian lifestyle is right, set them free, I pray. For every person, oh God, that has believed the lie of the enemy, oh God, that you didn't make them like you wanted them and they need to change who they are. They need to change their gender. God, I come against that right now in Jesus. I have compassion over the, on them right now. i got every person, Lord, that's how I don't hate them. I love them, and I want to see them set free of the power of Jesus Christ. Set them free, O oh Lord. Set them free, O oh Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just stay right here in this spirit and stand with me. I'm going to tell you this. We're about to move on from my preaching here. Verses 43 and 45 of our text said this. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Church, my prayer is right here at Starkville Church of God, right here at this city set on a hill, that God will begin to do stuff in people's lives and people would start being amazed. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? Word starts getting around town. I was amazed at what happened at Starkville Church of God. There was a guy that had been an alcoholic for 30 years and he got set free. Wouldn't it be amazing if all over town people started talking and saying, I was amazed at what happened at Starkville Church of God this past Sunday. A man who, whose leg was withered and crippled grew out and was healed miraculously in Jesus' name. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the power of God moved in such a way people would be amazed and the greatness of God, not at a preacher, not in a building, not in a system, but at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus said, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of men. Verse 45, but they did not understand what this meant. I just tell you that God's going to give us some things sometimes that we just do not understand. I wish I could tell you, you are going to, God is just going to just miraculously, you're going to have understanding for every moment and every situation of your, you're going to know exactly what's going on. You're never going to have any questions. I wish I could tell you that, but I'd be lying to you. There's going to be some stuff that you face and you're going to be like, God, I just don't know. I just don't understand this. But in due time, come on, in due time, they understood that. 
and in due time the things that God reveals to you you'll understand it all you may not understand it at first but in God's time God's going to reveal it to you thanks for listening to our podcast to find out more about us follow us on social media at starkvillecog Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at startvillecog.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.